New friends, new opportunities, new partners, BG Tax. Hey everybody, this is Esther Galias, the tax lady from EG Tax, and this is our podcast to get you really smarter than the average bear uh, on your tax return so that you know what's going on and you understand what's happening in Congress. And believe me, your friends don't know. So we're, we're glad you joined us. Uh, I'm here in studio with uh, Tiffany Fabian. Hey, Tip. Hey there, Esther. Uh, happy whatever day it is to you today. Right. <laughs> and and uh, whatever day it is, we're all glad we're breathing. Uh-huh, and Christopher Fabian, hey Chris. Hello, Esther. Hello, Christopher. So we we've been talking. Kind of, I said kind that. Of, I got to interject. I said that because usually I say Happy Saturday to you because if you listen to our regular Saturday show um, from three to four every Saturday, we would be delighted. You can check it out. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. So so. so play on that uh, our regular radio show is from three to four on wben radio 9 30 a.m uh in buffalo you can stream it i think you'll find it interesting and so if the podcast gives you some ideas for questions it's a live phone-in uh talk show and so yeah, that we have lots of fun and we do have lots of fun. Yeah. So today, you know, we're trying to get everybody to understand their tax return. And that's one of the great things about a podcast. You can go into details as opposed to a radio show where, you know, you're answering tax questions. And you have a little input, but sometimes you get completely led astray, right? That's so right. I, so we're this week we're going to talk about something that I know you guys have all been waiting to hear, filing status. Now, don't go turning this off because... This is one of the, this is the bedrock for your taxes. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Absolutely. If you do your filing status wrong, you have launched, you're on the wrong continent. Yep. And so that's not a good idea. Right. So your filing status, those little five boxes at the top of the 1040 form steer. It's like the steering wheel on your car. It steals steers the tax consequences on the whole return. So, so we're going to tell you some stuff that I bet you never knew anything about filing status. I bet you somebody that's listening is going to say, Oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong. So that that's, uh, that's, that's the point of today. So, and I'll give you an example here. So let's say that there's $75,000 in taxable income. Okay. If you check the box single, you would pay taxes of $12,296 on that $75,000. On that same $75,000, if you're filing a joint return, your tax liability on that same amount of money is only $6,808. So that's almost $4,000 difference. And if you check uh, head of household, you'd pay $10,854 on that same $75,000. So that's why the filing status is so important. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And there's so many people that I do returns for that check single when indeed they're head of household, or there's people that are or um, check out a household when they're, they're single. single. Exactly. Right? Yep. Or there's or there's the married new- there's married people who file married when really they could file had a household and actually believe it or not it would benefit them. Or you get the right. newlyweds who file single instead of married joint. Right. Right. So well let's move into that then. So these since this is the steering wheel on the tax return, 
The first thing is, what is a single taxpayer? That is somebody by the end of the year, December 31st, whatever year it is, they are not married. They have not entered into a covenant of marriage. And so they are not married. Or if they were married, they got divorced before the end of the year or a legal separation. All right. So they're unmarried as of December 31st. Correct. Right. Right. So even though even though that morning on December 31st, they were still married. If in the afternoon, the judge came over and said, Oh no, I'm adjudicating your divorce. You are now divorced. Those 360 some days before that, that you were married the whole year. You can't allocate that. Nope. 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 What you, you are, can, what you are as on midnight on the 31st, that's what you are for the full mm-hmm. year. Correct. Yep. Oh. It's, it's just sort of like a, a baby that's born on December 1st of the year. You get to claim that child for the entire year. And right. So, even even if that child was only alive for a, a moment, right? Incredibly, yep. Yep, that's true. All right, so that's what single is. And again, that's your steering wheel. That The second one we're going to talk about is married filing a joint return. So let's talk about that. When are you, when would you use that filing status? When you're legally married on 1231 at 1159.59 p.m. Mm-hmm. So if you're legally married, so if your divorce goes final on January 1st of the next year, you're still married. If you get married at 1159, and 50 seconds and your wedding license says you got married on 1231 you're married for the whole year for the whole year right now when you're filing a joint return though there's kind of a caveat to that because when you're filing jointly you're saying both of us accept responsibility for this return right yep, yep. Yep. as a matter of fact <clears throat> you know the IRS appreciates that it's two different people filing a return. And so like I had a client who got a letter from the IRS and they're married and he was very confused because not only did he get a letter, but his wife also got a letter and he, and he's like, wait a minute, we filed joint. How come we both got a letter? And so that can be very confusing for taxpayers, but the IRS is aware that they have to notify both people, you know? Right. Well, and that's kind of relatively new in the last few years. You know, they used to just send one letter. Now, now they send two to let everybody, to let them both know you're equally liable for the income and the expenses and tax return that was filed when you file a joint return. Because people do crazy things. And, and that's, and that goes through. So, you know, we're doing filing status. We just talked about single. If, if the, if you were married, you have a liability and you are now divorced. And in your divorce decree, it says that the mister is responsible for the IRS tax debt. Well, if he doesn't pay it, they are still going to go after the misses because they filed a joint return. They you don't mean, if care. They have filed a joint return. If, yeah. Right, right. They don't right. care they're divorced and the divorce decree states that only one party is responsible. They right. they're going to go after both people. And so that's what's really important when you're in the middle of a, of getting a divorce. Uh, you really need some good tax planning because just because it's written down 
doesn't mean anything unless you take that person back to court. And then that costs you legal fees and filing fees and, and attorney fees and all this stuff to get them back into court where the judge would just say then, you still owe that money. You got to pay it. And if that taxpayer, husband, spouse says, I don't have it, it still lands on her. Right? Correct. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So then the next status would be married filing a separate return. So this is similar to married filing jointly, but there's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So each person will file their own return. And so they will have their own standard deduction. <laughs> And um, they will have their own tax tables that they'll have to use and they will put their own income and their own expenses and their own adjustments. <clears throat> and they're legally responsible for what they put on their return. Correct. Right. And um, you were saying their their own standard deduction. But what if Mr. wants to itemize and Mrs filing separately doesn't. So that means if one itemizes, the other taxpayer, the other spouse has to itemize as well. One cannot take the standard deduction and one cannot itemize. And that also goes for the state that you file in too. If one itemizes, then the other taxpayer has to itemize. And that can be really costly for one of the married couples because one of them can itemize because they can itemize their mortgage interest and their property taxes and the other one can be left holding the bag because they're forced to itemize, but they don't have any of those. They don't have anything to itemize. Right. right. So it can be very problematic. Right. I, I, I can't. So, and I, I got to tell you, <laughs> the IRS and whatever state you live in, they will find out. It just takes a little bit of time and then interest and penalty. Does, right. It takes clear. time, but they do find out. Yeah. Now, now, there is, while we're still doing the married joint, married separate thing, there is a situation where when we we're talking about legal responsibility, let's say you're married to a schnook mm -hmm. and the schnook. Uh, and it doesn't tell you he's filing a tax return and he forges your signature and uh, does a tax return, a joint tax return using your information. And sometime later you get a bill. Is there any relief for that? Yeah, there's a non-obligated spouse. An innocent spouse. Innocent spouse. Innocent spouse. On the federal side. Right. Um, right. And so with using that scenario, how does the taxpayer uh, prove that they don't owe the taxes? Well, you have to prove that it's not your signature. You have to, you know, you would either have to say he, he's physically abusive. And if I didn't yeah, sign it, he was going to, yep, yep, there's the form to fill out. And you have to submit all your proof. And then the IRS will take a look at it and go, yep, you're correct. You're not responsible. Well, uh, to take it right. a step further, the IRS will then notify the other spouse, too, and they have to you know, also substantiate. So it's, it's, it's almost like a, a battle of, of the truth coming out, you know, if you yeah. will. And right. So, so, but, so that's the thing. If you're, if you're a spouse that's not living with your former spouse or you're still legally married and there's been no tax returns that you filed, you might want to look into that. You can always order a transcript of um, your account and find out if you're being claimed and what's being put on the tax return. Because remember, you don't want to go through this route of proving that you don't that this was done without your knowledge. Yeah. Um, 
So you, one of the great things that you can do now with electronics is order a transcript of your account, right. which I think is a good thing to do. It's like ordering a copy of your credit report. Credit report. Yep. And I got to say, there's times for listeners out there where married separate is actually advantageous for a married couple. <clears throat> I found that it may be advantageous if your income is similar and um, and so you really have to run the numbers. I just don't want you to discredit and think that married separate is never a better answer for a household. No, I, I didn't say I that. Know, never I know. I know you didn't. I'm, uh, but I'm the other thing the I wanted to talk about is the um, non, for, you know, you talked about non-obligated spouse in New York State and injured spouse. What's what's the difference between the innocent spouse and the injured spouse? The injured spouse is if you're, you come into the nuptials and the person that you married has a tax debt or an old student loan debt um, or old child support obligation that they haven't paid. And so that the, the IRS or the taxing agency seizes your refund. Well, that way, if you fill out the form that you talked about, the injured spouse, they will allocate and give the portion of the refund to the person that doesn't have the IRS debt or the student loan debt or the child support obligation so that a part of the refund, a portion of the refund, we can actually apportion the kids to you, will go to the person who doesn't have the responsibility. That alleviates some of the negativity brought about by the other taxpayer. Right. And so the other thing is because there are restrictions on what you can, what qualifies when you're married filing a separate return. For instance, you can't take student loan debt. You can't take, you can't get the earned income credit and, uh, and things of this, this nature. If you file jointly and you attach that form saying you're, you're the injured spouse, all those things that if you had filed separately, you wouldn't be able to take, you can take, and they can be allocated to the innocent spouse, Right. Right. That's to the exactly non-injured spouse, right. Yeah, yeah. right. And one other thing, sorry, um, going back to doing married joint or married separate, you know, you may want to do, because like we said, if you file joint, you're equally as liable for the debt. But if your husband or your wife is self-employed and you're questioning whether or not they're claiming all their income or maybe they're claiming too much in expenses and you sign that return, you're just as responsible. But if you file separate and they get caught, they can only go after that spouse. They can't go after you, the person who's not the self-employed person. So there could be an advantageous reason to file separate too. Because oh, for sure. You Absolutely. don't want to be responsible for the and other And then person. another thing that I want to say is there's a lot of people out there that regrettably have a strange relationship. And so if you are a married couple and you don't live with your spouse, you could possibly, and you have dependent children do, had a household. Now, what I want to say is that that other person who doesn't have the kids in the household and they're still married, they have to file married filing separate. I can't tell you how many taxpayers, um, the one files had a household, and so the other one thinks that they can file single, but that's not the case. The person who doesn't have the kids 
and is still married, has to file married filing separate. Well, well before we get there, because I want to talk about head of household, because really that's the situation where you're still legally married mm-hmm. as of mm-hmm. December 31st. But the IRS for tax purposes says if you make certain qualifications, we're not going to take into consideration that you're legally separate, that you're legally married. We're going to, for tax purposes, consider you head of household. And we're going to get into that in a second. Right. Right. All right. Let's talk about the next status, which would be qualifying widower, which is really the same tax status as married filing a joint return. Right. 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 This is for the first two years after the year of death of your spouse, as long as you have dependent children. Living in your home. Living in your home. So if you, you know, if you're 70 years old and your spouse dies and there's no one else in your home, the next year you're single. But if you're 40 and unfortunately your spouse dies and you have your children still in your home, you get to file qualifying widower for the next two years. So then you are treated basically as married filing joint. Right. So in the year of death you'd file a joint return. Then the two years after the death of the spouse, you would then, if those kids are in in your home, you'd get the status qualifying widower. Right. Right? Yes. And, And it's a very advantageous status to be in because it's it's a lower rate than being head of the household so then the third year in after the death if the kids are still in your house then you go to that next status which we want to talk about which is head of the household right correct all right so who qualifies for head of household normally a single parent with with children is what you normally think of as head of household or or our qualifying relative, right? Right. Well, yeah, you said normally. So the first thing that comes to mind is the person who's single with the children. But you can also qualify is if your brother lives with you, your parent, you support your parents. Mm -hmm. You know, there are other people who qualify you for head of household. It's just not children. And the reason this is a good thing is you pay less taxes filing head of household than if you're single. So you just need this qualifying child or qualifying individual in a home that you maintain and you give over 50% to their total support. Right. I can't, I can't tell you there's a client that's coming to my mind and um, I've done her return for many years. And then finally she says, you know, my mom has been living with me for about 15 years. She's disabled. And she doesn't make any money. So I amended her last three years and changed her to head of household and added that dependent mom. And so she was just tickled pink. And so you really want to consider that as an example. So if you're single, you say to yourself, hmm, is there anyone living in my house that I'm supporting who makes less than $4,300 a year? Uh, And they're a relative, a close relative of mine. If the answer is yes, then your filing status well may be at a household, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Now, that tax let's bill? go back to what you were talking about a couple minutes ago, Tiff. For okay. tax purposes, so let's give a scenario. So 
let's say a nice lady comes in. She's got four kids. She's maintaining the household for them. She doesn't know where her husband is. He hasn't been in the house for nine months. She has no idea where, but they're still legally married. And so you would say, oh, gee, Roberta, because you're still legally married as of December the 31st, you know, if you don't find your husband, you're going to have to file married filing separately, which means you can't get the earned income credit. You can't take this. You can't take that. But the IRS realizing that that's the case, that that's the kind of society we have, they've made an allowance for that. And that's when a married taxpayer is considered single for tax purposes. And and they would need to have a the spouse has to be gone for how long? Out of the house. The last six months of the year. Right. And the kids have to live in a home that the, that the person that is the, claiming them as the dependent has to live in their home for at least six months out of, of the, the year. year. That's right. So he's got to be gone for more than six months. And the kids have to be there for more than six months. The, now what, the if, parents, what, if, what if the kids are away at college? That's well, that's be, a temporary absence, and right? that doesn't apply. That doesn't, I mean, that does apply well, to the six months rule. So, if, if that's the case, even though they're still legally married, that person, that's the good person, maintaining the home for the kids while he or she is off gallivanting, that person would be able to file head of the household, even though they're legally married. Right. 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 Yes. And and then the then the, gallivant, then the gallivanter is still uh, married, right? And so the gallivanter would have to file married filing uh, separate return. Correct. So one spouse gets a benefit, the other spouse doesn't. Yep, and that person who claims had a household, quite possibly they're going to get the earned income credit and it would open them up for, like I talked about the child tax, the the child tax credit and the college credit. And so um, had a household is a very favorable status. And so you really, this is all goes back to the importance of your filing status. That's right. And it, because uh, if you check the wrong status, you have just done an incorrect tax return. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. That's right. You know, and uh, tax software is great, you know, except garbage in, garbage out. If you don't understand what they just asked you and you put the wrong answer in, they're not going to call you up and say, gee, you got little Johnny living here. Uh, You know, how long has, and you're married separate and Jesus, we're wondering why they don't do that. They just don't send you the refund. And that's especially this year important because uh, of this uh, this advanced child tax credit that everybody's getting for kids under the age of six, thirty six hundred dollars, and kids six under to under eighteen, um, under nineteen, uh, three thousand. That's a lot of money. It right? is. It is absolutely. I was. And you don't get that. and and you know and you don't want to miss a, you don't want to miss the earned income credit as well. Right. Right, right, right. Okay, and while we're on that subject, people have been writing me and texting me about not getting the advanced earned income credit. And what I write them back and say, have you gone on the IRS's website? The advanced child tax credit. Yeah, what did I say? Earned income credit. (laughs) Oh, I meant advanced child. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, so you want to go on the website, make sure that they have the correct address. 
that you have your correct uh, routing number and bank account number because they may have sent it to you and it bounced and it'll be a just nightmare when you're filing your tax return. And I got to say that, um, I don't know if you've heard the same thing, Chris, there was a press release that the IRS had a big software crash dump. And so they were supposed to your second advance child tax credit, do it elect a direct deposit as was done on your tax return, because that's where they pick up the information. But because of the crash of the dump or the software, they had to do a paper check. And so many of you for the first time um, got a direct deposit and now you're going to get a paper check. check. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you moved, Yep, um, yep. You know, then it's a horrible thing. So those of you that haven't gotten it, you might want to go to IRS.gov and um, make sure that everything that they have on your account is correct. So that during tax time, because remember what you get or they think they gave you is going to reduce that credit at the end. So. Right. Right. All right. So that concludes. um our podcast for today. Uh, uh, Tiffany, is there something you wanted to, is there something else you wanted to say? No, you're, you're, you're on the right roll. All right. Good mm -hmm. enough. And so until next time, I'm Esther Goulias, the tax lady from EG tax. Remember our website is egtax.com with Christopher Fabian, Tiffany Fabian. See you next time. New opportunities, new partners, easy.